Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher barkar banu mikol hamim, Venatan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten haTorah. Amen. Amen. Alright, so, Parsha Vayetze, 5th Aliyah. I will be reading the 5th portion, and um, David... Young W. <laughs> uh, will you read the Basor portion afterwards? Okay. Then he said, Specify your wages for me, and I will give them. And he said to him, You know how I have worked for you, and how your livestock was with me. For the little that you had before me has increased in multitude, and Adonai blessed you upon my arrival but now when will I too provide something for my household and he said what shall I give you and Yaakov said you shall give me nothing if you do this for me I will return I will pasture your flocks and I will watch them I will pass throughout all your flocks today removing from there every speckled and spotted kid and every brown lamb among the sheep, and every spotted and speckled one from among the goats, and this shall be my wages. And my righteousness will testify for me at a future date, for it will come upon my wages before you. Whatever is not speckled or spotted among the goats or brown among the sheep shall be counted as stolen with me. And Levon said, very well, if only it would be as you say. And he removed on that day the ringed and spotted male goats and all the speckled spotted female goats, whichever had white on it, and the brown, or and all the brown from among the sheep, and he gave them into the hands of his sons. And he set three days' journey between himself and Yaakov, and Yaakov tended Levan's remaining animals. And Yaakov took himself moist rods of trembling poplar and hazelnut and chestnut, and he peeled white streaks upon them, bearing the white that was on the rods. And he thrust the rods that he peeled into the gutters or into the gutters in the watering troughs where the animals would come to drink opposite the other animals, and they would come into heat when they came to drink. And the flocks came into heat by the rods, and the animals bore ringed, spotted, and striped young. And Yaakov separated the sheep, and he turned the faces of the animals toward the ringed ones and every brown one among Levon's animals. And he made himself flocks by himself, and he did not place them with Levon's animals. And it came to pass that whenever the animals that were bearing their first would come into heat, Yaakov would place the rods in the troughs before the eyes of the animals in order to bring them into heat by means of the rods. But if the animals would delay, he would not place them so that the ones delayed were Levon's and the ones that bore their first became Yaakov's. And the man became exceedingly wealthy and he had prolific animals and maidservants and manservants and camels and donkeys. Chapter 31. And he heard the words of Levon's sons saying, 
Yaakov has taken all that belonged to our father and from what belonged to our father, he has amassed this entire fortune. And Yaakov saw Levon's countenance that he was not disposed towards him as he had been yesterday and the day before. And Adonai said to Yaakov, return to the land of your forefathers into your birthplace and I will be with you. And Yaakov, or so Yaakov sent and called Rachel and Leah to the, to the field to his flocks. And he said to them, I see your father's countenance, that he is not disposed towards me as he, w as he was yesterday and the day before, but the God of my father was with me. And you know that with all my might I served your father, but your father mocked me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he would say thus, speckled one shall be your wages, all the animals would bear speckled ones. And if he would say thus, ringed one shall be your wages, all the animals would bear ringed ones. Thus, God separated your father's livestock and gave it to me. And it came to pass at that time, or at the time that all the animals came into heat, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the he-goats that mounted the animals were ringed, speckled, and striped. And an angel of God came to me in a dream, Yaakov, and I said, Hineni, here am I. And he said, Now lift your eyes and see that all the he-goats mounted the or that all the he-goats mounting the animals are ringed, speckled, and striped. For I have seen all that Levon is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a monument, where you pronounced to me a vow. Now arise, go forth from this land and return to the land of your birth. And Rachel and Leah replied and said to him, Do we still have a share or an inheritance in our father's house? Are we not considered by him as strangers? For he sold us and also consumed our money. But all the wealth that God separated from our father is ours and our children's. So now all that God said to you, do. End of fifth Aliyah. That was a long one. Shalom, Pharisees. Yes, uh, Yochanan chapter 1, go 41 through verse 51. Oh, sure. First thing he did was to find his brother Shimon and tell him. He found him in the of Mashiach. He took him to Yeshua, looking at him. Yeshua said, You are Shimon by Yochanan. You will be known as Kephara. The next day, having decided to leave for the Galilee, Yeshua found uh, Philip and said, Follow me. Philip was bait from Beth uh, Zedah, the town where Andrew and Kepha lived. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, He found the one that Moshe wrote about in the Torah, also the prophet, to Yeshua ben Yosef from Nazareth. Nathaniel answered him, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Come and see, Philip said to him. Yeshua saw Nathaniel coming toward him and remarked about him. Here's a true son of Israel, nothing falls in him. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Yeshua answered him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Yeshua answered him, You believe all this just because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? 
you'll see greater things than that. And he said unto him, Yes, indeed, I tell you that you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and coming down on the Son of Man. Boom. There's your connection. That's a powerful passage, yeah. <laughs> as, in the, as Moshe said in the Torah and the prophets. Amen. All right, so uh, let him fly. So the floor is open. So if you have any comments, questions, discussions, uh, insights, feel free to start dropping them. I don't know if any of you have footnotes, but uh, if you're reading the Basora portion, it literally says on uh, verse 51 that you can cross-reference Bereshit 28.12, which is the beginning of this week's Torah portion. So literally how the Basora directly ties in. If we thought Yeshua was talking about something different, it's like, no, I need you to think about the time Yaakov saw the ladder with angels ascending and descending because I am that ladder and you know I'm here now so it's a very very emphatic statement so commentary on um, 2812 from the Milstein's edition teachings of the Talmud Humash from Art Scroll it says, and he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set earthward, and its top reached heavenward. And behold, angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So it says, we can figure out how wide the ladder that Yaakov saw in his dream was. It was 8,000 parasot wide. That comes from, uh, okay, so a parsa is four mil, and each mil is 2,000 amos. And it says that, so 8,000 amos, which is what, uh, so if you do two times, basically uh, quadruple that. So we got 8,000 of those. And then one parsot is 8,000. So it says this is a 2.4 to 2.9 miles for one parsa. So if you have 8,000 of those, that's like 24,000 miles. Wide. A parsa, yes. So that measurement is a parsa. So they said the part, the ladder's width was 8,000 parsot wide. So the multiples of the parsa. So one parsa, 2.4 to 2.9 miles. So two and a half miles is called that. So if you're looking at 
8,000 of those. That's a very, yeah, and that's just the width. So that's how it starts with that insight. And then it says, the Pasuk tells us that angels, which is plural, of God were ascending and descending on the ladder, meaning that two angels were going up the ladder side by side, and two angels were going down side by side. When they passed each other, all four angels were on the ladder side by side, so what is the width of an angel? This is crazy. The Pasuk says that the body of an angel is like the Sea of Tarshish. And Sea of Tarshish, Daniel 10.6. And it says, And we have a tradition that the Sea of Tarshish is 2,000 parsot wide. So a quarter of... Yeah, so because four angels. And then it says the latter which could hold four angels side by side, was therefore 8,000 parcels wide. That comes from Tractate Hulin 91b. So, if you took the Sea of Tarshish, which, if I'm not mistaken, that's where Jonah set out to run away from Hashem. If you took that sea, multiplied it by four, that's the width of the ladder. And that's going from earth all the way up into the heavenlies. It doesn't go into height. But that's taking up a lot of space. So, with what Mashiach Yeshua is saying in Yochanan 151, he's saying that you will see Hashemayim open and angels of God going up and coming down, literally ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So, Shalom Alaikum. So, if we're looking at Mashiach being this ladder, He's in human form, but he's saying, I'm literally bigger than this creation that I am in. That's his statement. For those of you who just arrived, just wanted to let you know, we are um, wanting to try to make this class available for more people online. So our first step is putting it on Anchor. So I am recording us audio-wise tonight. Don't be scared. But uh, just in case you tag in and you have an insight so we can capture it, I would be probably pass you the phone so it can be recorded. Hot phone, Tato. Hot phone, Tato. And if y'all are familiar with Ladder of Jacob, which I lovingly call him Benny B, the writer of Ladder of Jacob, uh, he does an excellent uh, commentary on this week's Parsha. And... Um, it is actually about the Ladder of Jacob, which is funny because his site is called Ladder of Jacob. But he goes into Messiah being that ladder. I thought about that. It's like, what if that's he's the ladder that we used to get there, too? That's right. First uh, insight he does is from Bereshit Rabbah 69.7. And it says, Rabbi Leazar said in the name of Rabbi Yosef ben Zimra, this ladder stood in Beersheba. Okay, so Beersheba is very important because that's where Abraham went after the Akedah. That's also where... 
Yaakov left from to go to Haran or Padan Aram. So where he is now, the ladder is passing through, basically. But it starts at the place he left, but he's at a different place, and it's exceeding past the place he's going to. So basically, yeah, because you know a ladder, a ladder's at a slant. Mm -hmm. So Yaakov is somewhere in the slant of this ladder. That's weird. I always thought it was like, in my mind when I read it, you know, it's always like, I always pictured it being straight. Right. But it's like actually, so it starts like at Beersheba. Beersheba, and then, so where he is, it's not where it starts. No. Yeah, it's like, okay. Yep. He's either going to ascend or descend, depending on what direction he's going. So we got definitely some spatial uh, craziness going on. One thing. So the Earth's only 8,000 miles in diameter. Oh. So. Oh. Yeah. There's that. There's that. Yeah, the circumference is, it's, 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 the circumference is like, you said 24,000, right? Yeah. So if the Earth is only 8,000, so that would be like half the future all at once. Woo! Yes. All right. Phone Tato is starting. Okay, so we're going to start here. Say what you said. The Earth is only 8,000 miles in diameter. Um, so 8,000 and times 3 is 24, so that would be past, present, and future, ascending and descending. Get yourself. <laughs> well, I think, honestly, you, like, if, you, if you suspend it from the ceiling, there's not as much ability to just kind of swing it around and like, like a tap of ball. Just catch it, right? Or, or, so we say it's at a slip, maybe it's at a curve, you know? Like like a weird kind of like a whoop curve maybe I don't know roller coaster. Well, it's interesting you say that because <laughs> this is the picture that he opened his article with. That's hilarious. I love that. It's like going. That's great. Show and tell. This is the beginning of Benny B's article. It's like yeah, there's your ladder. Now I don't know about y'all, but I would, I wouldn't want to climb that. <laughs> All right, so let me kind of finish this here. So the ladder starts in Beersheba, and its slope was over the Beit Hamikdash. So, what is the proof? And Yaakov went out from Beersheba. That's the very first verse of our parsha. And he was afraid and said, how full of awe is this place? Rabbi Yehuda ben Rabbi Shimeon said this ladder stood on the temple site while the top of its slope was over Beth El. Beth El, house of God. Yeah. Okay, so we got Beersheba. We got... Mount Moriah, which is the Temple Mount in Yerushalayim, and then we got Bethel. The latter starts in Beersheba, slopes over the Temple Mount, but also apparently stands um, with the slope over Bethel. So 
This letter stood on the temple site. Top of it was over Bethel. So we got that we got the temple site, Beersheba are standing places for the ladder, but it also slopes over the temple and slopes over Bethel. So yeah, so the ladder isn't just like a like a swoop. It's more of like a swoosh kind of thing. Although it does take up a lot of. It is really wide. Wide. Yeah. Really wide. So that's why it can be in so this probably side. Probably hit a lot of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No. We can both. Break it down. That's so that's why it can be at two places, like because it's so wide. Two places. Like, yeah. And then it goes like. And you gotta see a rubber with ladders. You've got two posts. Two posts. Oh. Right. I've always wanted to use that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of that little insight. So you almost have to think it would be like the body of Mashiach is the ones. The body of Mashiach is the what? The wrongs. Well, it's interesting you say that because insights on the rungs of the ladder this is from the Malbeam y'all ready according to the Midrash the ladder had four rungs now think about the four as we know that parallel Mashiach we got the four corners of the Zizi. We got the four expressions of salvation. I will take you, rescue you, redeem you, make you mine. The four cups that we drink at Pesach, they all correspond to those, and those are called the four salvations. Um, what else four do we know? I don't know why, but I keep multiplying four by three and keep getting 12. So I don't know why, but that's just kind of Okay. I don't know if that means anything, but that's just everything means everything. <laughs> Four times three is twelve. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if we think about that, so the ladder has four rungs. So it's a very wide ladder and it's four rungs. And then it says, Yaakov drew divine energy down through all four hierarchical channels of the upper realms known in Kabbalah as the four worlds. You have the highest world, which is called the world of emanation, i.e. Adzilut. You have the next world down, Borea, which is creation. And then you have Yetzira, which is formation, and Asiya, which is action. So you're going from an emanation, kind of like how we have our thoughts, but they don't really have a form or any kind of substance to it yet. But you start that thought, so that's like the highest world. And then the creation, so your thought begins to take on some kind of like plan of action. And then you have where your action like gets brought into this realm of where it's tangible. It's either it's written down, action. yeah, it's written down on paper or you have it typed out or something like that. And then the actual step of you implementing it. So it's saying that's how things come from the highest world all the way down into where we are. So this is what the ladder's rungs represent. So you think about that with Mashiach, okay? So then it says, with this explanation in mind, an obscure Midrash becomes suddenly clear. The Midrash says that the angels of God were going up, not up on it. So it says, but up on him, which is Yaakov himself. 
So Yaakov, through his deeds, regulates divine flow from above. The angels go up and down on him, by him, and for him. He is the latter. That is from the Malbim, Parsha Vayetze, 229 through 230. Encapsulated. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the math. Well, because we're, we're talking about wrapping the ladder around the world. So no matter what, st <laughs> what stage of the ladder you're on, you're covered by an angel. And so with Mashiach's words, which actually, I've, if you go back to the Malbim for a second, it's almost like he sets up the fact that Mashiach is saying, you know, they're going to go up and down on me. Like, you thought it was Yaakov, or it may have been Yaakov, but it's also me too. Like, it's almost like, you know, if you can, if you can grasp it with Yaakov, then it's like, okay, now take that way up a notch. Because we know Mashiach is greater than all the patriarchs combined. So if this is true for Yaakov, we're like a third of the way there just from reading this source. So just to kind of throw it in, just a little comment that Rabbi did a drosh on this last year. And it was like a, uh, what do you call it, like an astrophysics geom ge uh, geometry drosh or some sort. Where uh, he was just talking about my comb and he was just like, alright, this is a lot today. Yeah, I remember that one. But... Uh, how can it not be, basically, where I was going? <laughs> it was literally, uh, so if you go back on YouTube, type My Sar Shalom, Par Shabayete, it, it'll pull up the one from 2017. So it was, it's actually a really incredible drosh. But I mean, it definitely is very chunky. Tag question. Um, Let it go. With the thing that Jacob does, Jacob is, mm -hmm. what's the whole thing with him, like, taking the, because I've always tried to understand it, but he, like, takes certain types of wood. I don't know, what is he doing there? Like, I'm going to flip in the humash, and everybody, if y'all want to jump in. Single file line, please. <laughs> We're looking at, uh, basically, the fifth aliyah. So, uh, the end of 28, or, uh, yeah, 30. 30? It started at 28. So, so would you restate the question? So mainly, it's mainly going down to the, hold on. The verse, sticks? Yeah, thirds. Okay. Jacob then took himself fresh rods of poplar and hazel and chestnut. He peeled white streaks in them, laying bare the white of the rods. And he set up the rods which he had peeled in the runnels and the watering receptacles to which the flock, facing the flocks, so they would become stimulated when they came. 30, verse 30, 37. 30, 37. Yeah. So the Midrash says goes more into the sorcery that was going on. Apparently there was interference by Levon. So Yaakov doing what he did actually uh, mitigated what Levon was actually trying to do, which is interesting. Yeah, he's essentially playing when he when Levon told him, "Hey, this color of goat, this pattern of sheep, or flip it or whatever." Yeah. That's how you're gonna segregate them. So what he did was basically said, "All right, sounds like a plan." Just essentially, what the cat would say was um, he basically just engineered. Genetic, genetically engineered, but basically just was very careful how he let them mate. And he bred. He, he bred them to where all the color that he got. Mm -hmm. So it was like he essentially rigged the dice. Laser or Jacob? Jacob. Yeah. This Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, yeah.
Yeah, so Jacob's rigging it was to allay what Levon was already trying to do. Yeah, he so was trying to fix the dice. Yeah, there's interference going on from Laban already. Yeah. That's why he's saying, yeah, let's make let's work out an arrangement. Because I got you. Yeah. And Yaakov's like, okay, I'm going to have to get you back. I mean, he knows, yeah, he knows Laban. So, it's like, uh, anybody seen The Princess Bride? A Battle yes. of the Wits? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like switching the cups. Oh my god. So it's not like a, or not witchcraft, but like a, a type of, like a weird thing that he was doing. Yeah. It is. it is some manipulation going on. It is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that draws an interesting conversation. Uh oh. Oh no. Oh. oh. What is wrong with sorcery? That's a very good question. That was a horrible Is movie. that a, a question you wanting me to answer? Yeah, because uh, magic. Well, I was wondering if you were going to answer Or even, that. dare I say, <laughs> I the pure is. definition of occult, that word, pure, not the like, ooh, spooky, yeah. the proper definition, all of it isn't inherently bad. Occult just means like spiritual secret. What we call Kabbalah, it's kind of the same thing. And there's a lot of like practical Kabbalah, which is kind of irrelevant nowadays, only because for a multitude of reasons. But someone, uh, someone of the righteousness of Yaakov is more than equipped sorcery or whatever you want to call it negative implications of it. You know, it's not some witch in a stuff in mushrooms, it's exotic. The forces are out there, it's just a matter of who's manipulating it. You know, Yaakov Levina, so it doesn't, you know. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, it, it, it probably was sorcery. What also says, though, that Rabinia Baki and other comment, comment that Yaakov did not adopt this course until instructed to do so by angel. Yeah. So he had explicit permission to... I think most of the commentary is coming from over here. So we're done. Get it Tap in. out. Just. <laughs> I'm looking at the Orha crime because he has plenty to say on that. Oh, actually, what am I doing? Anybody else got any commentary on that section? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. One second. I'm laughing because <coughs> we're here. We would have seen the stairway to happen. <laughs> Not a stairway, it's a ladder. I know, but you get the idea. <laughs> well, I, I, would, I would make the comment that three days' journey is a pretty good distance. Are you, I mean, he's got multitasking. Okay. Thank you. You don't have to hold it that more speaks, people listen. <laughs> the phone does. Um, three days' journey is a pretty good distance. And from that three days journey, he then departed to the land that Hashem had then told him to return to. And so his ability to leave the uncomfortable situation with Laban and immediately travel toward the land of Canaan, he was already going that direction. Three days journey already in that direction. Otherwise, he would have had to crisscross, you know, right back across Laban. Um, that's it. Just th there was this. There was already the, his heart's desire to go in that direction, and Shem had allowed his flocks to already prosper that in that direction. Yeah. Oh. Yep. So you're saying he had a head start before he had a head start. Excellent. Has Shem put that rod in <laughs> in Israel for him to come back to? So I looks, talking about the rods, it looks like the Zohar kind of corroborates with Rabbi Bachia. Um, okay. It's talking about how Hashem chose Yaakov, uh, Yaakov and Yaakov chose Hashem. 
uh, in Deuteronomy where it says, uh, Come and behold, Jacob, uh, what is it? For Hashem's portion is his people, Jacob is a lot of his inheritance. And it was, it was essentially Hashem that gave him the rods and stuff that allowed him to separate out these people. <coughs> Effectively, yeah. So we know that uh, <coughs> Rachel had taken these objects that he had used for... We know that Raquel had taken these objects that he'd used for discerning insight and deviation. Right. And these were very powerful instruments of supernatural um, cult, you know, cult tools. But yet, they did not allow him to see what... The, you know what? What to over to what to plan for, or what to avoid right. by the um, by Hashem's hand yeah. that simply was being followed. Hashem just said, you know, take some sticks and do this with them. Yeah, it was really such a and, mundane task for such a divine. It's not interference. It's like outcome. No, with such divine providence. Providence for such yes. a mundane task. It's like, hey. You know, you're just, you need a game. Laban, you have to out-cheat the cheater, and this mm -hmm. is how. I'm going to give, you know, we're, as it talks about how the reason he had to strip them was to expose the white, which, like, represents Correct. the, he was essentially taking, like, the wrong stuff he wrote out of the sticks so that uh, Chesed could rule supreme. And peeled white trees and removed the judgment from the almond and the plane tree that are, are, are of the left, connecting to the right. So it's like he's doing all this, Brilliant stuff, and it's all to like sort. <laughs> you think yeah. it's like, how do we wind up here? But then, when you see what he left that community with, wow! Yeah, it truly was it, a miracle. It, yeah, but he but he left with the souls that he had created, so to speak. Just like uh, Mitzrayim, oh, if you think only seven to Mitzrayim, but how many left? The uh, the commentaries say that no one ever, mm. much less a whole nation. Because there were uh, dogs that were on the borders, and this is brought down in like the Midrash commentary that the dogs would say things like, "Oh, it's easy for you here. Like, you don't want to leave. You don't know what's out there. What? Why are you leaving such a wonderful place? Everything's fine. Go back home." And so people would turn back around. They would literally be at the border of Egypt, almost out of there, but yet they get turned around. So here it is. Hashem goes, all right, everybody out, let's go. And it's just like, yeah, that's cool. The dogs be quiet. Uh, over a million people are just going to walk right out. And Pharaoh's going to be like, yeah, they need to go. You know, like, get you some of that. Can I just say that, like, talking dog thing sounds utterly terrifying for, like, a person just, like, thinking about it? Because dogs' mouths don't, like, they don't have lips. Right. So it's uh, like, yes. oh, it's just like, rah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it keeps blowing in my head and I don't want it in there. <laughs> the problem is if they had lips, it would be equally terrifying. <laughs> okay, so to kind of uh, hopefully give more clarity on the uh, question that you asked about what's actually going on with these sticks. So as I've been going through Or Haqqaim, he's got quite a few pages on it. But he's talking about the fact that what the animals see 
that comes out in what they produce as far as their offspring. So that's actually very interesting because they talk about even in, um, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but the the fact of when a, a man and a woman are in the moment of conception, that whatever is going through the mind of the man actually gets input into the seed. So there's a, the idea why uh, Yosef is the only one of the sons that literally looked like Yaakov and embodied all the essence of Yaakov was because that's what Yaakov was going through when he was with Raquel. So when they finally conceived to bear Yosef, that's what was going on. So there's that idea that is actually taught uh, from the Jewish teachings, but when it comes to the animals, so there is a, there is a, uh, and even Rabbi Anaba, Alana Anaba talks about it, that, um, I mean, it gets really Kabbalistic, but there are literally times of the day and days of the week that actually affect your offspring. So, um, and people who understand, because there's 12 hours in a day, Hashem's name permutates 12 different ways throughout the day. And so some parts of it is like, this is optimal if you want to have like a really uh, righteous offspring or, you know, whatever you're trying to go for, you know, and there are literally people that plan that out and things. So part of that is going on with the animals as far as what they're seeing. So when he's trying to get those results, that's why that's happening. Uh, Rebenu Bakya is quoted on uh, verse 39. Uh as far as Yaakov is not adopting any sort of manipulation to trying to get certain sheep, unless it's by the angel of Hashem. So we covered that already. So that is definitely true that Yaakov was trying to just be like, I'm going to just shoot this straight. I'm not going to try to pull any tricks. You know, I'm just going to go, go for it. But it's just like, no, you're going to have to because Levon is after you. There's that. And then um, the other thing is that there is still seemingly something going on because it says over here on page 184, the truth is that Yaakov did stipulate with Levon the terms for his reward, that he would take all the unusually patterned offspring, regardless of their number. Nevertheless, Or Hachaim assumes that Yaakov allowed himself to use his unconventional breeding methods only to prevent Levon from taking advantage of him and not to obtain for himself an exceptionally large reward. Accordingly, once he had received a shepherd's standard share, this allowance no longer applied. That is from the Meore Or. Basically, he only used these methods of getting these results that were necessary to get to make sure that he didn't get taken advantage of by Levon. And if you look just kind of in the uh, between the lines here, what kind of sheep is he really taking? He's taking unusual sheep. Like how? The weird one. Yeah. Like how are you going to perfectly get a vast amount of unusually patterned sheep? So it's it's definitely one of those things where it's it's not as easy as it would seem. It would be one thing to go, yeah, give me some solid color sheep and make them all this color, and I'm gonna manipulate it, and they're gonna all be brown, and then I'm gonna have like a few 
black ones and then da 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 da. But it's like no, I'm gonna make them speckled. I'm gonna make them ringed. Right. You I'm gonna know, checkered. Stripe. Yeah, checkered. And so it's just like, but as I'm doing that, I'm gonna make sure that I have enough for my wages without being taken advantage of at the same time. And the shim's like, do it. Let's make it happen. So that's what's going on. Are you saying that his wages? Are you saying that the amount of sheep was the seven years or the fourteen years? Yeah, because he he worked there for twenty. He was only supposed to be there for seven. Yeah, twenty-two total. But oh, okay. part of that was because he went to um, the yeshiva with uh, Ever, and then he kind of went to Mount Moriah and then went back because it was time to get there. And then it was also, he worked the seven years, and it was like, no, do it again. You know, because you got, you got the wrong daughter. Whoops, my bad. And then, uh, you know, he was just like, well, don't leave yet. Work, work these sheep. So by the time it's like 20 to 22 years, he definitely got his wages. The Ocean of Delights says about this topic is, Jacob's breeding uh, process is actually a direct application of many of the lessons he learned from his dream of the, of the ladder. Especially, yeah, especially the way in which spiritual concepts and processes can be translated into the material realm. He was quite literally infusing the physical with the spiritual and instilling the earth with divine energy. By transforming Laban's sheep and goats through clever breeding practices, he was demonstrating to the Jewish people how to fulfill their spiritual mission, to extract sparks of goodness and holiness entrapped in the shells of our broken and unrectified world and transfer them to the side of, side of light and righteousness. He was also bringing to fruition God's promise in the dream that he would grow physically and spiritually. Please cite your source and page. Orchard of Delights 125. That sounded like an Orchard of Delights. Source, yeah. No, so they're just talking about how the angels descended through Yaakov. Uh, yeah, like that. He was the ladder. It's interesting the ladder taught him how to do what we were just discussing. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, So we didn't make such a far jump. <laughs> essentially, I mean, it was the very essence of Kabbalah to receive, like, to where they're all at normal. Yeah. Ooh. This mundane act to do this. Right. It wasn't really like a... He wasn't doing it on his own it was, whims. Yeah, yeah, so it was like a shem. So not by power, not by might. So I can't help but think that the latter teaching how to take such unusual sheep and make them abundant is just like us. We're uh, uh, peculiar people is what we're called, Am Segula, and Hashem takes a whole bunch of misfits and he turns them into a nation. You think about us in the wilderness, like we're a bunch of shepherds. And we've been working for I don't know how long in Egypt making bricks. <laughs> and the Shem's like, yeah, I'm going to take y'all. Y'all going to be warriors. And we're going to go to Yerushalayim. And we're going to take out a whole bunch of kings. Like 30, Armies. 30 giants. plus kings and giants. Yeah. Giants. Let's go. Now I save an Ishba. Let's do it. And it's we just like, well, where do we see this? <laughs> oh, chapter tw uh, 30 with Yaakov. Getting the speckled and striped sheep, and it's just like, yeah, Hashem's gonna do this with people later. You mentioned the Am Segula, what is treasure? And we devalue ourselves, but it's. I mean. We're not talking about how Dom was made from a speck of dirt from every. The archetypal, like the prototype of man. Would anybody like to read about that for the class? Let's have a little story time. They're there. 
I don't have it on me. No, no, it's in here. Who's going to give it to you? Oh, here, here. Yeah, I'll, they're there. They're there. But I'll read it. I got a good voice, I guess. This is what we like to call Pearl K, but it's Pier K, Derevieliezer. This right here is uh, some of Midrash. So you call it Pearl K, like pearls for the swine? Like the pearl of great value. Creation of man. Here we go. Who wants to read it? I would. Okay. I didn't get to read last week. So oh, okay. I gotta catch up, you know? Alright, so it is just that section right there. <laughs> Alrighty. Immediately after creating all living beings for the benefit of man, God said to Torah, to the Torah, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Bereshit 1.26 Replied the Torah, Master of the universe, the world belongs to you. The man you want to create has a short lifespan, is seated with anxiety, and will fall into sin. If you are not slow to anger with him, it would be better for him not to have been created. Retorted the he, ho- retorted the holy one, blessed be he, do you think I am called slow to anger and abundance of kindness for nothing? God gathered red, black, white, and yellow dust. The red was for Adam's blood, the black for his innards, and white for his bones and sinews, and the yellow for his body. Why did he gather dust from the four corners of the earth? The Holy One, blessed be he, said, If a person travels from east to west and dies along the way, the earth of that place will not be able to say, the dust of your body is not from here. I will not accept you. Go back to the place from where you were created. No matter where a person dies, the dust of his body came from there, and that is the place where he returns. The dust of the place accept it, accepts him, as it says, You are dust, and to dust you will return. Mm, wow. Bereshit 319. What's your source? Pure K de Rebieliezer. Pure K de Creation of man. There you go. By the way, just so y'all know, uh, whenever you source out something, there's literally um, sources that say that that hastens the redemption. Try to always source stuff out so Shiok can hurry up. The bricks and they don't know where to find them. It's like you never made them. This is not the book I want. Oh. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what's going on? That's not my phone. Where'd my phone go? I'm just tripping. Even though we're still alive, we start turning blue. One of the biggest components of household dust, the deadline makes. Ah, that's interesting. Okay, so uh, the whole concept of Hashem Yom Echad, he created like the other day, it was the same light. He was just forming it to make all these different things. Um, talking about ore, but like the dead light and how that makes up the dust of the earth, the same way your 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 dead ore makes up the dust of the earth. Talking talking the difference between the skin and the light, obviously. Right. How like it was our sin caused the light to go diminish. away. We don't even know, even more so the 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 like primordial light that Hashem created on day one. Mm-hmm. And how he formed that throughout the next six days. And so it's all made out of the same ore. Same way that the dust that created everything is still made out of ore. The human flesh. So, because we're like, we're a microcosm of creation. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah, it's like the dead light that created everything is the dead light that creates all the dust. Can we start for so Rabbi Josh about that the the Masora not that long ago, right? What do you mean? Like a couple weeks ago, because he was talking about the fig tree. Gar- yeah. He who guards the fig tree shall eat its fruit. 
Where are you going? No, I mean, just reiterate a little bit. Because it's really, it's really good. No, the fact, I mean, the, the, the old verse. We found the one that Moshe wrote about the Torah, also the prophets, the Shul ben Yosef from Metzera. It's all right this, there. It's like weird separation to where, like, they oh, might know Yeshua was Jewish. And all the sources. They, they had this weird conflict between Jewish sources and this one particular Jewish source called the Besorah. Um, but it's just to see them so, it, it's, it's like a crossover episode. You know they take place in the same universe, <coughs> but finally it crosses over and like you see it so clearly. It's, it's really interesting. And I'll also write that, it, you know, the whole, oh, the Mashiach's never said and never talked about in the Tanakh. Um, but it's like Moshe wrote about in the Torah. Also the prophets, Yeshua ben Yosef, so... That was pretty interesting. All right. So, yeah. Got a hear here. And I got a hear here after you. Sweet. So this kind of connects back. I was, I'm a little late to the party on the, the sheep thing. But, um. Don't be sheepish about it. <laughs> uh, you just go to do it, though. Oh, man, you jacked it. Anyway. Uh, so on the, uh, whole Levon, like, sorry, I keep calling him Levon. Uh, Levon, um, swindling and then Yaakov being like, nah, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Yaakov explained to Rachel how he was related to her and the purpose of his coming to Levant. This is in, uh, this is on page 28 of the Midrash Says for Bereshit. Cool. 284, sorry, I missed Wait. a number. <laughs> page 284. Okay. Sorry. Mix up. Um... Do you wish to marry me, he asked her. Yes, she answered, but my father is a swindler, and he will surely manage to cheat you. Do not worry, I know how to trick him back. Is a Zadik allowed to cheat? If the person with whom he is dealing with is a sl- sw- swindler, one is permitted to outwit him. But w- what fraud does he intend to perpetuate against me? Uh, yeah, perpetuate? Perpetrate. <laughs> Thank you. Um... I have an older sister. He will not allow me to get married before her, but will give you my sister instead of me. So Rivka knew about this slight way before. Uh, that Yeah, that's Rivka, my brain. Um, knew about the slight before it had happened where he ended up marrying Leia before her. So I think that's, I thought that was kind of cool. She knew that ahead. She, she knew, knew it ahead of time. She knew, she knew her, her father. father so well yeah. that she knew he was going to marry off Leia to... Um, the kind of the groom that she was. Wow. Yeah. No matter who it was. Yeah, but they still ended up with together in the end, which brings me to this cute little story I was reading on the I think the page before. Was it? Yes. Is that the one? It's about King Shlomo. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I, I really like it. I think it's kind of fun. It's kind of a storybook tale. It's about King Shlomo. He had a daughter of unquelled beauty. And uh, he foresaw her future marriage partner was to be a pauper. So not a very, not a very uh, cool thing. So from actually the most destitute class of his subjects. So Shlomo was like, no, I'm not into this. So let's build a castle on an island in a faraway place. I'm going to put my daughter in said castle on said island. With guards. With guards, lots of guards. And it's going to be impossible to get anybody in there. Exactly, yeah, it's like it gets into story time. It's super weird. Um, and he says, let me see how Hashem guides the world. No one's supposed to enter, right? So, in a far-off town, a pauper journeyed on foot to the middle of the night. He was hungry, thirsty, barefoot, and had no home where he could spend the night. 
Suddenly, he discovers the carcass of an ox in the middle of a field. Yeah. Happy to have found a shelter from the cold. Dude curls up into it, crawls in between his ribs, covers himself with the hide, and soon falls asleep straight up like Tauntin. Tauntas. Yeah, like a Tauntaun. Thank you. I don't know why I call them Tauntas. It's like, that's not a sword. Um, so now, get this. So he falls asleep, like, out like a light. Falls asleep. At the Oxford Suite. In the, in the, in the Oxford Suite, yeah. <laughs> that's totally so natural. He, yeah, so he gets into the body of this ox. It's dead, and I'm guessing it's kind of, like, kind of nasty, but dude's, dude's thankful warm. to Shem for it anyway. It's warm. About the it's cold outside. He's just man. like, I, I, I'm, I'm bundled up with Han Solo up in here. We're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so this giant bird... Just like stacks it and drags it out into this, to the, like flies away into the castle, drops it, eats the carcass, right? <laughs> drops it, the bird eats the carcass and leaves the man sleeping. So the next day, the girl takes her daily morning walk. It's straight out of a Disney movie. Uh, the roof, on the roof. I think Disney borrowed this from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, she's, she's taking her walk and she discovers this man and she's like, how did you get up here? And he, you know, he introduces himself. I am a Jew from the town of Akko. Akko? Akko? I think Akko. A-K-K-O. That's how this is. Yes, it is Akko. Akko. Where is Akko? I don't know. Wasn't that something with, um... Didn't he go to Akko at some point? Like running away from Jezebel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's funky. I am a Jew from the town of Akko. And a bird of prey carried me here, so he knew about it. Um, And she invited him to the castle, brought him food, clothing. They conversed. uh, And she found out he was a sofer, a scribe, um, and a learned man. And when he asked her if she wanted to marry him, she willingly agreed. Uh, uh, Yeah, so she... They didn't have pen or paper, so dude, like, cuts his finger and starts writing in his blood. And is like, this is our marriage pact. So, kind of creepy. Yeah. Oh. Ah, there you go, mom. It's not so creepy now. No, not as much. And he says... Ah, the angels Gabriel and Mikhail are our witnesses. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they get married with that awesome... Right there, yeah. Um... Time passes, the girl conceals the presence of this man, and the guards finally realize they hear a baby screaming. <laughs> and they're like, what's this? There's supposed to be a girl in here, not... Okay, we're going to check this out. So they check it out. They find her... <laughs> yes. So he, like, the guards go in, and they're just like, uh, we found your husband, a baby, and the girl. And Maureen Povich. Shl- oh. <laughs> Shlomo's not going to be happy about this. Let's keep it oh down boy. low. <laughs> so they keep it down low, and King Shlomo boards a boat to go visit his daughter. Oh, and he says, yeah. Our master, the king, the guards entreated him. Do not punish us for what occurred, for we are not to blame for it. Oh, wow. Not us, homie. And so uh, the Shlomo finds out about it. He sees the marriage contract written in blood. He's like, that's dedication. <laughs> Uh, Shlomo <laughs> questions him about his family, city of origin, and understood that this was the man who had been predicted for his daughter. Full of joy, Shlomo uh, called out, Blessed be the Almighty who forever brings together the husband and wife who are destined for each other. And to wrap it all up, Rebecca, uh, Rivka was destined to be Yaakov's Raquel. beloved Rachel. Rivka. What am I doing? 
Oh my goodness. Rivka, Rachel. It's the codeine. It's the codeine. It's the cough medicine. So, blame it on the drugs. Um, So, Rachel and Yaakov are destined to be. And even though Levon was swindling, trying to make sure, you know, this is what I actually want. Hashem's like, nah, homie, that's not it. <coughs> this yeah. is this is what I need to be. And Rachel is the mother of Yosef, who then becomes the, the dude to, like... The oh. dude who really writes the contract. He does the more swindling, too. He, like, more swindling. he pretends to be an Egyptian. Okay. <laughs> Here's a little lesson in trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Good. Yeah, I'll sorry, so I'm done. To do the, the, the I'll, I'll go to buy... Bach it off the guy. Was, the guy was trying to steal weight from him. Remember? So, did you read about? Did you read about that, right? Ephraim. Ephraim. Remember Ephraim? His name literally means stingy. Mm-hmm. So he's like, 400 shekels? Oh, come on, man!" Abraham's like, "Yeah, 400 shekels." And it ended up being like the shekels that Abraham paid him were like three times or more as much. So he literally gave him 400 shekels, but it was like. I'll give you even more than that. Yeah, well, we'll call so, it 400 no, because he was trying to steal from him, right? From Abraham. yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He wasn't being upfront. Yeah. So I just kind of interesting that whole like, oh, how dare? Why was Abraham um, not being honest with his money? It was because it was like he knew the guy was stealing from him, so he made sure it came out in the balance. And I'd like to submit to everyone Matthew 10, 16. It says, I am sending you out to be like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Remember when Mashiach told us that? Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that played out in this week's Torah portion. We saw it. snakes? Snakes. Wolf and sheep's clothing. I like that a lot. Wolf and sheep's clothing. I like that a lot. All right, so my tag, I was minding my own business. And you know this thing that Yaakov does at the beginning of the Torah portion where he lays down and puts stones around his head. He takes stones from Makom, the place. Well, sources, this is going to start off in, uh, this is what I like to call Shonaf Pincus, but his name is Shavile Pincus. He does, he's a contemporary rabbi, he's still alive. He has a, a translator who translates his droshes into English, and he does a weekly PDF of it all and sources out like you would not believe. So this is on page three. So those stones came from the very altar that was the scene of the Akedah. So he went to the Akedah altar and said, let me take some of those stones and put them where I'm going to lay. So he recreates the Akedah. Okay, so I think we all are kind of aware of that, but I don't know if we, I definitely wasn't aware of this. So check this out. So it says, Yaakov Avinu was laying down fully at the site where his father had been bound. As per his usual nightly routine, he recited the bedtime Shema. He recited Tehillim 31.6. In your hand, I entrust my spirit. Okay, I don't know about y'all, but that sounds really familiar. Like Luke 23, 46 familiar. 
Crying out with a loud voice, Yeshua said, Abba, into your hands I commit my spirit. With these words, he gave up his spirit. Because we know Mashiach is the final Akedah, right? Okay, it gets even better, y'all. Because check it out. It says in Barakot 5a, if one is a Torah scholar, he need not recite the bedtime Shema since he is always engaged in the study of Torah and will likely fall asleep engrossed in matters of Torah. Oh, finish. Uh, I was just going to say, because just a little support to that, a ball of terms says about that was, uh, he says, uh, from his sleep, read, read this term as if it were written from his studies, since Yaakov meditated on Torah throughout the day, even at night his heart did not rest from meditating on it in his dream. And the comment below says, a person's spiritual stature can be recognized through his dreams, for even when he is doing nothing, i.e. during sleep, his thoughts may, be still, may still be that Hashem is standing over him. Back to you. Okay, so it's almost like... Uh, there's, a, there's a picture where he, like, he never dies. Because right, there's a whole picture of when you lay down, you die. And your spirit leaves your body. But if the entire... Or it's almost... No, it's be more he never lived in the first place. His soul never truly returned well, to his body. Go back to Makom. He's bigger than creation. Yeah, his, his soul never leaves Hashem. Instead of when you lay down and your soul goes to Hashem, when he woke up, his soul never left Hashem. Oh, it never oh. left the place, yeah. Because he's always in Ghost He never place. leaves the place because he's always in it. <laughs> he is the place. Oh my gosh. What? Okay, can I finish? Yeah, I suppose. Oh, here's the mic. Okay, so it says, Abaye said, even a Torah scholar, okay, we're back in Bear Coat 5. That was crazy. All right, even a Torah scholar must recite at least one verse of prayer. Guess what verse it is? Tehillim 31.6. Into your hand I trust my spirit. You have redeemed me, Adonai, God of truth. So the literal requirement to do bedtime Shema is uh, suspended for a Torah scholar because even though they're going to be asleep, they're still going to be studying Torah because they're that engrossed in it. But yet, the one line that they have to say is the one line that Mashiach said right before he gave up his spirit. And this crazy man to my left here said, you know, if you ever seen the Doctor Strange movie from Marvel, Doctor Strange did this whole scene where he was literally sleeping, but his essence was still awake studying the arts. So even while he was sleeping, he was able to keep learning all of his little tricks and things that he had to do. And that is like such a small fraction of what actually happened with Mashiach and what actually happened with Yaakov. But at least we kind of get a motion picture, so to speak. It's a funny story. That's how he... Oh, that's how he excelled. To... Okay. I was a huge fan of comics as a kid. So anyway, um, showing up Pincus when he dropped that, that was uh, most just kind of ran and jumped off a, a small cliff. Is it anybody here here? It's not very long. Oh, uh, so a little thing about the stones that Yaakov had collected because he started mm. on the stones. Um, so he had 12 of them and when Yaakov had to uh, had go to sleep, yes, he had 12 stones. Mm. I thought that was funny. Uh, he had the 12 stones and when he was going to rest, they all, um, uh, Yaakov slept peacefully because of his great trust in Hashem. His attachment to the Shekhinah was so profound that his precarious situation did not affect him. 
So as soon as Yaakov actually fell asleep, each stone was like, I want the Zadok to rest his head on me. And so uh, Hashem made all the stones go, uh, they merged into one big stone, and um, Hashem wished to assure Yaakov that none of his sons would be a Rasha. When Yaakov woke and found that the stones had become one, he knew he would become the father of 12 tribes who would all serve Hashem. So I might have been a little jumble on that, but I just wanted to... I think you rocked it. Okay. I, was good. I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that would be the solution. So if you take That's the one further... Or the cornerstone that the workmen rejected. Well, so, like, none of okay. 12 sons would be... Can we just take a moment real quick? Okay. Because those two comments tie that back to where we started with the ladder. Beersheba and Bethel. When we're talking cornerstone, we're talking the well that traveled with them in the wilderness. So if the ladder can be in Beersheba and Bethel. Okay, just wanted to make sure we took a moment. That. Oh, if you take one step, so. Okay. None of his children were rashes per se, but evidently some of them went a little astray. They attempted, yeah, they like. <laughs> Just sort of, kind of. All of them, just most of them. Oh no, they never won completely like full Russia, but they, several. It was like they're all involved in a conspiracy to commit murder. So there's that. Oh. But you know what I think? He was gonna. It was destined to be twelve sons were gonna be completely holy, but it turned out that only one son oh. was gonna be the holy one. What you talking about? Because we don't know nothing about, about that. that one stone. What one, one stone went crazy? Well, it was Yosef, Yosef's son. Messiah but, ben Yosef thing, huh? But isn't it interesting that Messiah ben Yosef had one? Oh, yeah, yeah. What was that reference from Psalm that I, I to you, I trust my hands? 31.6. There's a wonderful book there with Psalm insights we if anybody's interested in. Uh, Joey, did you ever do an egg drop in school? Yeah. We need to get something like that for the phone so we can just throw it at you. They do have yes, those. They're like these like weird... Oh yeah, the smoosh balls or whatever. Smoosh balls, kind of, okay. but they're not like they're not. The phone inside of it. So it's a case, kind of thing, and then you can squish the. All right, this got to hear here over here. Here, here indeed. Um, so it's interesting because the Sforno doesn't have that great of like a comment about the stones. Anything can be great if you think about it hard enough. <laughs> Make it great again. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, from the stones of the place, which which were prepared there for guests to eat or sit on. And what made me think what is the fact that they're there available for people to come and convert that's maybe semi deep but i feel like it could go deeper and then the comment it says uh uh since according to the sforno this place was was one this place was one used frequently by travelers the stones were not lying around aimlessly but were part of the furnishings Put there for the convenience of travelers, Jacob now took some of these stones to place under his head. Are you reading from an English Bible or? I'm looking at <coughs> the, is it 316 and 7 maybe? You need to get the Hebrew version. Oh, he got it. Okay. 316. Check him out over there. Track him. Track him down. There it is, right there, Beadecha. Translate it. Come on. In his hand, I've keyed my spirit to to me, and I, the God of truth. Okay. 31.6. Psalms 31.6? Like, are we tripping? Anybody familiar with the morning blessings? This is Bible. How, what's happened? Hold on, let me look at the... That was a... 
I'm, I guess that was a uh, yes. Okay, page 19 in the Sidur. Cracking up, dude. It says. Uh, Chapter 31, verse 6. Because it says, Oh. My God, the soul you place within me is pure. You created it, you fashioned it, you breathed it into me. You safeguard it within me, and eventually you will take it from me and restore it to me. So it says, Ve'ata meshamra bekirbi. You will guard it. Ve'ata ati litla mimeni, and you will take it from me. Ul hakazira le'atid lavo, and you will turn it, and you will return it to me in the world to come. That phrasing from uh, Tehillim thirty-one six is along the same lines of this of the prayer that we say as a morning blessing for Hashem returning our soul within us. So that part is uh, highlighting the fact of Hashem taking it. For me, in, on Bible Hub, it's 31.5. I don't know. It's, it's just a, Yeah, because the, remember the English and the and the Hebrew yeah. uh, Bibles, they're off, they're off sometimes by like a verse or two. Uh, what was this verse? No, the... 31, 31.5 31, 31, 6. or 6, depending upon where you read it. So real quick, um, talking about going astray... Uh, 1 Peter 2.25 and Yeshiyahu 53.6 says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. So if we can think about how all the sons of Yaakov appeared righteous, they went astray. And that's, I rebuked that alarm. Well, I thought but, we were going to go for an extra couple minutes, like an extra like 10-20 minutes, and just have 10 minutes of loitering around. Oh, Didn't you say that last week? Okay, but just to kind of finish up, and the stones all becoming one, that is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, talking about the body of Mashiach is one body with many members. And remember, uh, 1 Peter 2 also goes into the fact that we're all living stones being built up into the spiritual temple. So, one question, finish your comment. The, the stones, are they Zor, Zorim, or Evanim? Evanim. The Evanim, okay. Which is the same word that uses the stones on the breastplate. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah, I was going to try and connect it somehow, but no. you did it for me, Mr. Vett. What do we know? What, what do, do we, we know? Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, vechaye olam natar bechreinu. Baruch Adonai, noten haTorah. Amen. Adonai, may we all merit to see the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Amen. Amen. Lila Tov, everybody. Yeah. Tov. Okay, there's some way to make the phone happen.